Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab. Lab. The lab. The lab. The auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And today we're talking about source. We do talk about source a bit. We do talk a lot about source. <laughs> How are you today, Gabby? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. We, <laughs> we covered heaps of really great stuff today, didn't we? We did. We did a bit of an intro episode to an upcoming series on how to find a hotspot. Indeed. Because everyone loves a hotspot. Everyone loves, if you're in property, you hear that word and you get all excited and you're like, oh, that's what I'm looking for. And so we just kind of touched on the series that we're going to do because there's a lot more that goes into it. There's 10 core categories that kind of define what might make up a hotspot, how to identify one. Um, But this is really an intro. And I mean, you went in a bit of a story about Sydney versus Darwin. It's more than just an intro. This is more (laughs) more than just an intro. Like, I think what we really covered here is going to set you up to actually start to understand how to use this information in a meaningful way. Yes. Okay. So, so don't be, don't be disarmed um, by this. We, we hit on some really, really important stuff. Firstly, what is a hotspot? How to define it? How to know if you're in a hotspot? how to identify the optimum buying window, how to use that information to leverage your opportunity for success in line mm-hmm. with the Holy Trinity principles. We spoke about a tale of two cities, so Darwin versus Sydney and how people made mistakes in 2012 and the fact that Sydney is not always a good market and how p- markets work in cycles. Mm-hmm. This is all super important stuff. And understanding um, how markets move how they go up and sideways and how that, how, that, how that emotion flows, how to identify where you are and what to look for to be able to position yourself at the start of a growth spectrum is really what this series is all about. Yeah. So as Gabby mentioned, we did identify the 10 core drivers that uh, define and, and uh, the characteristics of hotspots so that you can start to look out for that stuff in your journey too. And then over the coming episodes, we're going to do a little deep dive into all of those. More than that, we have also expanded on all of this content inside our members site, haven't we, Gabby? We have. So if you find this topic to be interesting, just head there and you can connect <laughs> with us. You can, you can hang out with us there. Hang out with us there. Get, get, a little, get up, and close, up close and personal with the G&G show. And um, <laughs> you can <laughs> so um, head to theinvestorlab.com.au forward slash join the community. Um, we're actually doing a training series in there called the Real Estate Entrepreneur's Handbook mm. and we're digging into all this stuff and how to find it. The stuff that you're going to get in there is actually going to tell you how to use this information, not just what this information is. So super, um, super valuable stuff. And of course, uh, if you want to reach out to us directly, just head to theinvestorlab.com.au and find out the many multitude of different ways that we can help you, free and compensated. Gabby, was there anything I missed on what we covered today? No. Okay, wonderful. Well, if you've wondered what a hotspot is, and if you're wondering, if you're wondering how to know where you are in the cycle, and if you are wondering what the drivers are behind hotspots, what to look out for, then this episode is for you. And <laughs> I know you're going to love it. And it, of course, like, rate, review, share, comment, um, put us in a postcard and send us to space. We don't care. We want to get out there. <laughs> Let your friends and family know that we love you and we love them too. Get them to get in touch and they can get in touch simply by listening and subscribing as well. And the more ear holes we reach, the more lives we can change. And that, my friends, is up to you. 
So, without further ado, let's get stuck right into it and let's start talking about hot sauce. <laughs> See you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. 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 No. You in the lab. You in the lab now. <laughs> we are cooking up a storm inside the lab. We are. We're mixing things it's getting up. hot. It's getting hot. We're taking all of the secret sauces and we're blending them together to create a super sauce. Love a good super sauce. Everyone loves a super sauce. I love sauce. You do love sauce. I bloody love sauce. <laughs> Um, how are you, Gabby? I'm great. So am I. Thanks for asking. <laughs> getting, good, getting good at this. Goose, how are you today? I'm great, Gabby. You're great. That's wonderful. Why are you great today? Oh, I'm not sure. Why are you English? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I think we said sauce and something, something British sparked in my head. There you go. All those British summers spent living in a field, hey? Yes, yep. Lots of sauce. Lots of sauce. Sauce. The sauce that we're going to be, um, uh, <laughs> that we are going to be mixing up with you today is super exciting. Super exciting. Yes, as always, very exciting. This is really just. It's really We're just excited. a house of fun, isn't We're it? Excited people. Yeah, well, it's great. Why would you be anything but excited? Well, you know what? That's actually why I'm good. Thanks for asking. That's why. Um, that's why I'm good. Is because I love podcast day. You do love podcast. Day. I love podcast day. I love talking. I love helping. I love sharing. I love thinking. I'm thinking. Pulling stuff apart. Yeah. Putting it back together in a way that makes sense for other people. Yep. It's fun. Great. And now, I just if you're listening to this, I never really go and listen back to the episode, so I got mm. no idea if they're any good. Um, we'll pretend that they are. But yeah, <laughs> if you think they're good, or in fact, if you think they're even, in fact, even if you think they're bad, I would love to hear from you. Why don't you send me an email? Goose at dash dot dot com dot au. Uh, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know what you think uh, and what's been impactful or what you haven't liked. Do we swear too much? I don't know. Do we swear? I'm not, I'm not really sure. You say the word sauce too many times. It's mm. just too much sauce. Not a fan of the no sauce. No such thing as too much sauce. <laughs> you got to too much sauce. <laughs> That's in the sauce. Anyway. What are we talking about today, Glenn? Oh, God. Yeah. I feel like I'm in trouble. It happened. It happened. It I just happened. got glenned. I just got glenned on the podcast. Because yeah. oh. he said sauce. What? Okay. What we're talking about, the secret sauce we're talking about today is how to find a hot spot. Hot sauce. The hot sauce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everyone loves the hot sauce. How to find a hot sauce. How to find a hot sauce. Okay. So how to sauce a hot sauce. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. So everyone wants to know how to find the hot sauce in property. They do. They do. Everyone talks about hot spots. How do we find a hot spot? What is a hot spot? Hot spot's just a term, guys. It's not really a place. You get hotspots on the sun, you don't get hotspots in property. In any case, using the common vernacular of a hotspot, mm-hmm. we can explore this concept. Now, this episode is a little bit of a setup, and I don't mean that we're going to deceive you in any way, shape, or form, but this is actually just the start. There's so much to unpack into how to find a hot sauce um, that um, we're actually going to bust this open over, like, I don't know, 
10 or more episodes. Mm-hmm. So this is just the first bit. Now, I want to pre-frame this as well um, because inside our, um, inside our community, we actually do a deep dive training on all of this stuff. So if you're inside the community, then you, Lucky get, you. you, go, you can go direct to the sauce. In, nice. And get and get all of the uh, get all the information on on how to find a hotspot, uh, not just what a hotspot is, but also exactly how to find it and how to get use the information and all of that kind of stuff. That's exclusive, members only, good good stuff. And if you want to get access to that, just head to theinvestorlab.com.au forward slash join the community. But enough advertising, enough advertising. Let's talk <laughs> about what's a hotspot. Is there a definition of a hotspot? What do people mean when they say? Where are the hotspots right now? Um, yeah, that's probably a good place to start. That is what, a good place. That's a good place to start. Um, I don't think there isn't a definition of a hotspot, right? Not a, not an exact one. Yet. No. Well, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. So a hotspot is generally defined as um, a market which is going to outperform other markets. It's probably the easiest way to think about it. Mm-hmm. So an example of that might be uh, Hobart. Mm-hmm. Um, over the last few years, the run in Hobart won't last forever, guys. Just to be clear, it won't. It's not how it's not how economics works, but it has been a hotspot because it's been it's outperformed on growth and yield and demand and all of these kind of things. So it's like a pressure cooker, which is why they call it a hotspot because it's like oh, it's hot, and then when you get everyone in there trying to buy, you know, demand increases, buyer activity increases, uh, transactions increase, sales volumes increase, all of that kind of stuff becomes very hard to negotiate on a property, becomes a seller's market, not a buyer's market. All of these kind of things happen. And these are indications it's a hotspot. We as uh, a buyer's agency like to try and get into areas before they're hotspots uh, or in fact, maybe even just into when they're being a hotspot. Um, we don't want to come in once it's already a hotspot because when you come into an area that is already a hotspot, you're going to know straight away. You're going to know straight away because you won't be able to negotiate uh, any meaningful um, – you're really going to be in a worse negotiating position on a property because there's going to be so many other buyers. The sellers will be like, look, these are my terms. Take it or leave it. Catch mm-hmm. later. You're going to know because days on market will be very short. Average days on market will be very short because there's a lot of transaction movement. You're gonna know, you, there's all these kind of key signs that you're in a hot market. Mm-hmm. Vacancy rates are low, uh, days on market are short, sales volumes, uh, well, sales, well, stay away from sales volumes because there's, you can either go, they can either go up or down in, uh, in a hot spot. But really, you're going to be in a high demand market. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with being in a high demand market as long as you get into it early. Because what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to ride that transition. No area in the country is good all the time. And people have just got bad memories. So mm-hmm. a lot of people think, oh, Melbourne, Sydney, growth, growth, growth. Well, yes and no. Um, if you get the timing right and if you know when they're going to be good, yeah, fantastic. Vice versa, people say, oh, regionals are bad. It's like, well, it depends mm-hmm. because really what we want to be able to identify is um, the what, not the where. Like what is actually going to move these markets? And you can understand the, the moving factors or the ingredients. Then you get about to identify is it currently a hotspot? Is it going to be a hotspot? Why would this be a hotspot? All of that kind of stuff. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm thinking through actually, I'm thinking through the example of Brisbane. Mm. You touch on Brisbane quite a lot. 
um, in the past couple of months because people come to us and they say, what do you think of Brisbane? Should we get into Brisbane? I hear Brisbane's hot in a, in a good way. Like they're saying it's a, it's a hot spot. Like you speak to other agents in the area, they're like, it's going off. But you, you're of the opinion that that's, that that means like back off, like you're, too, you're already too late. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Let me rephrase it this way. Just depends on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you go to an auction and there are, there is, there are no other bidders, you're the <laughs> only bidder and that, buy, that seller really wants to sell and you're the only bidder, do you think you're going to get it for the price you want? No. Well, well you're a hell of a lot more likely than if, than if there were 30 bidders or 50 bidders and everyone was like driving the price up and everyone gets emotional and the prices are going up and the sellers are sitting inside the house eating Tim Tams, looking out the window thinking we're getting rich and everyone out the front is going, oh my God, I'll bid more, I'll bid more, no, I'll pay more, I'll pay more, I'll pay more. And the price goes up. Like it's the same thing. It's, um, it's, it's uh, activity and supply and demand metrics, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with being in a hotspot. You can be in a hotspot. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to have the negotiating power. Mm-hmm. So in regards to Brisbane, um, look, Brisbane is very big area. Mm-hmm. Greater Brisbane is a huge area. Um, by and large, though, yeah, I think, um, I think the best buying was probably done there 18 months ago. So mm-hmm. like I don't, I'm not looking in Brisbane right now. Yep. And I think that comes down to also like um, discipline to stick with your principles and, and your plan and your strategy and yeah. not like, like that auction example. It's very easy in an auction environment to throw out your values and throw out your strategy because you're in an emotional environment. So I think when people go into hotspots, it's totally fine if they can sit there in discipline and sticking with their strategy and their principles. Yeah, exactly. The thing is you're going to find it much harder to find what you want if the market is too hot. Yeah. Like anything, there's degrees of hot, right? There's degrees. And once it gets too hot, so, the, so if you imagine when it's probably an area starts to become a hot spot, it starts warming up, that heat will continue to grow up until a point where it blows the top off, okay? And we see this in all markets, every market. Like you see that in gold, you see it in shares, you see it in whatever. If you have too much of a bull run, you blow the top off and then it doesn't always go down. So don't get scared about that. It doesn't always go down. Sometimes it just goes sideways, goes flat, flat lines. Now, a lot of people think that um, that means that there's no growth. Well, technically, if you take a snapshot in time of a market that's going completely horizontal, um, it's like, yeah, it's got zero growth, but it might have just had 30%. So good case in point for that would be something like um, Norlane in Geelong. Um, that had like 30-something percent growth over like 18 months. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, it had had, I don't know, like... Three percent growth, mm-hmm. or whatever it was, it was low. It was low, and then it went from low growth to extremely high growth to pretty much flat. Pretty much flat. So it's like maybe it's between three and five percent at the moment or something. Mm. So this is what happens, and this is where we. This is how we start to understand cycles. So everyone thinks cycles go up and go down. They don't typically go up and go down in real estate. They do in other markets. Um, there's always an upward bias trend if you look at um, shares over the last 200 years and stuff like that. Real estate is pretty similar um, in terms of it's got a continuously upward wi- upwards bias trend. What it does it, In most areas, it doesn't go up and then go down. Everyone thinks it goes, oh, it goes up 
and then it goes down. It doesn't. It typically goes up and then goes sideways. Yeah. It goes up and then across and then up and then across. And so it's understanding that. It doesn't go up and down. It goes up and sideways, up and sideways, up and sideways, like a set of stairs. So really it's about understanding how to um you know, how to get how to get at the at the at the transition mm-hmm. point between one level and the next level is really what we're talking about here. Yeah, which is really where I guess that's what we refer to as like the buying window. Yeah, the optimum buying optimum window, buying correct. Window. And it's really like that's that's the game for investors. If you're a real estate investor, that is the game trying to identify when that point is. And you hear it all the, you hear it all the time about the warnings of like don't try and time the market, which is true for most people who don't have the discipline to actually do the research and actually commit to being a professional in this space in in terms of the, the the quality of the output that you want if you actually want to make a valuable you know portfolio then you commit to learning these skills and commit to understanding and educating yourself on how to identify that time because like if you bought in a, at that regional town with at an auction that's got one person there you might be eventually one day that might be a hotspot but if you're holding it for 10 years until it becomes a hotspot you've got 10 years of of sunk cost, of opportunity cost, you've been sitting there waiting. Whereas if, if you're an investor, that's a, bad, that's a bad situation. Whereas if you can upskill yourself to identify the time just before it becomes a hotspot, mm-hmm. that's, that's the biggest way to leverage this information, right? <laughs> it's, it's the key. <laughs> so a couple of things with timing the market. You can't and you must. Okay, so anyone who tries to like time the bottom or time the top will mm-hmm. fail. Yep. In fact, I'm yet to meet anyone who can effectively do that. However, understanding how the market moves, you can time the market. You can position yourself to be in the right place at the right time um, to get the right movement if you understand it. It's like music, right? There are, there are, there are, there are movements and progressions and if you understand the scale then you're going to understand what's sort of most likely going to come next in that progression. Mm. Um, so really great scenario to sort of highlight this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing one. So let's go back to 2012. Let's say, it's tw- let's say it's 2012 and there's an investor who wants to invest $600,000 in real estate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so go back to 2012, all the way back, eight years ago. And let's say there's an investor who wants to invest $600,000 in residential real estate and they're considering two courses of action, Sydney or Darwin. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get to more different markets, right? Now, yes. Well, any, any point, right? yep. I would argue, right? Yep. So in 2012, Darwin market is booming. It's absolutely going gangbusters. The market in Sydney is not. And in fact, Sydney had, at that point had been poor for many years. Years. This is what I mean, but people have got bad memories, right? Everyone mm. thinks it's oh Sydney's great. It's like, well, Sydney was great for a point in time, but yeah. who knows? Sydney might go sideways now. Like right now, Sydney might go sideways for a while. Not sure. But at the time in 2012, Sydney had not been going well for a number of years. Mm. Darwin, on the other hand, was going off. Growth was going gangbusters. So what does someone do? You what you got six hundred thousand dollars, you invest in Sydney that's performing poorly. Or invest in Darwin, which is going gangbusters. What would you choose at that point in time, Gabby? Well, if you're thinking short term, you'd choose Darwin. 
Well, a lot of people did choose Darwin and a lot of other people chose Sydney. So it's a really great tale of two cities in that scenario in 2012. Now, if you chose the Darwin option, you would have had solid growth for like around about 6% in the next year. So in 2013, you would add about 6% growth and then no growth in 2014 and apply price decline from 2015 to 2019. So that's how the cycle moved. The market, market passed its peak, Northern Territory economy struggled, uh, and now Darwin is not somewhere that we would invest for our clients. But it was easy to get caught up in, oh my God, it's a hotspot. It's a hotspot. Let's go invest in Darwin. And if you did that, you're probably wishing you didn't if you did that at that point in time. Sydney, on the other hand, had a very strong year in 2013. Um, prices rose on average about 14 to 15%. Uh, and even stronger growth in 2014 and continued growth through 25 and 2016 and then tapering off in 2018. So prices tapered off in 2018 a couple of years ago. I've been seeing that in the market and that's recent enough for people to remember. So Sydney, after, Sydney had had about 10 years of underperformance uh, before it burst into action in 2013 and overtook Sydney, in, over, Sydney overtook Darwin and Perth to become the capital growth leader in 2013. But prior to that, it was Darwin and Perth. And people are like, what, Perth, what, Darwin, but Sydney's great. It's like, what you need to do is go back and have a look at some numbers. That situation continued all through from 2014 to 2018 uh, and then there was a bit of a correction in 2018 and resumed in 2019 and in early 2020. It's obviously a little different now. So understanding those cycles and what drives those cycles is the key to finding uh, the right positioning in the marketplace. So what we're talking about is identifying hotspots before they become hotspots so that you can position yourself at the right point in the market. Now, you might think, oh, I want to get in and get out. I don't think that's a good idea. So if you can invest in a market and you get in at the right entry point into the marketplace before it starts to boom or grow, before it becomes a hotspot, then you can ride that up. Now, if you, let's say you make a, let's say you make a 30% gain and then the top comes off by um, 10%, let's just say, You've still made a 20% gain, okay? Mm. So um, I would argue that it's worth riding the cycles. The biggest gain is going to be, going to be found through um, playing the long game, right? But understanding how to reduce your opportunity costs and maximize your return is really what finding a hotspot is all about. Yeah, and then obviously with that, it's, if, if you're following the Holy Trinity principles, that, that will allow you to hold your assets through yeah. that time. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. You know, if, you've, if you have followed the Holy Trinity principles, you're going to have cash flow, you're going to have the ability to add value. You're going to be able to, if you buy an asset uh, in a high growth area, so pick a hotspot and it's cash flow positive. Now, by getting at the right point in the market is probably what's going to allow you to get a high yield. Most people don't understand that. It's really about timing, timing your entry point. So if you go to an area where, uh, you know, rent exceeds um, uh, values in terms of, liquidation costs mm. in, in an area and then that market then goes up the rents won't rise the rents won't rise at the same rate as property prices do so if you enter into a market now where you can buy properties that say five and a half percent yield and that property market goes up in value significantly uh the the gross implied yield for the suburb may go down mm-hmm. But if you've bought at the right point in the market, you're going to already have that yield because you, your yield's based on your purchase price. Mm-hmm. So you will have frozen your cash flow at mm. a point in time. So this is, the, this is kind of where it gets really fun. Then also you can ride that growth upwards and then you can add value. So once it starts to flatten out and you go, okay, I want more growth and the market's flattening out, 
then you can add more value to it. So for example, if you buy a property, let's just use an example. Let's say you buy a property now and it's 700 square meters um, and it's 5.5% yield, right? Or let's say 6% yield. And the market goes up. Let's say you buy it for, I don't know, $400,000 and it's at 6% yield. I'm just making numbers up here, but it just gives you context. And let's say it goes up and you increase, the value goes up by $100,000 over the next two years. You've got a 6% yielding property that's worth $500,000. That's mm. awesome. Yep. That's awesome. All right. And they're two kind of different moving metrics. And then you yeah. could go, and then they say that growth slows down. You're like, I want more. <laughs> Give me more. Give me more of that growth. You, might, you may then go, well, I'm going to do a DA on the site or I'm going to do a small development or whatever. Because what you will have done is you will have capitalized, your, your equity will, will have gone up. You've done nothing. You've used time arbitrage. And you'll have some cash flow. You've got 6% yielding property. There's got $100,000 of free equity in it and you haven't done anything. Mm. That's the power of picking the right um, point in the market. Yeah. Whereas it, whereas if you, if you entered the market at that and you're, you're trying to hit kind of that higher level of value and a 6, 6.5% yield, it's considerably more difficult to find that kind of an asset versus if you got in when the, when the value of, and the, the condition of the market is more affordable, you can f- basically yield freeze the six and a half percent, and 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 end up with the asset value that you want and the yield that you want. Totally. Yeah. The, when the yield changes again, though, is when you liquidate the uh, equity because you increase the debt levels in the asset. So then your yield changes. So you have got to be mindful of that. But mm-hmm. these are the principles. Yep. So anyway, so if you follow the Holy Trinity principles, this is where it all comes. It starts to get really fun because then you can just you can manufacture your own growth or your, or your own cash flow for that matter. If you need more cash flow in your portfolio, you can just whack that on, put a granny flood in there or do some kind of development. So that we're not here to talk about the Holy Trinity though. We're talking here mm-hmm. to talk about um, here to talk about uh, hotspots. So I think that Darwin versus Sydney example is absolutely like <sighs> mind-blowing because a lot of people, you look at it now and you're like, oh, Sydney is a great market. Darwin's a bad market. But in 2012, it was the other way around. It was flipped. And Sydney had been, quite frankly, poor shit mm-hmm. for the last 10 years. I'll go on record as saying that I believe that Sydney and Melbourne are the most volatile markets in the country. Now, we've kind of spoken about the tale of two cities there. Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do you find a hotspot? And that's a really great question. Now, we have developed a complex uh, process based around algorithms and conditional logic and a whole bunch of other highfalutin fancy uh, tech applications to help us make these decisions faster and better and more accurately with higher levels of data and detail than most people will be able to do. Yep. So it's not really relevant for us to talk about how our how our how the tech side of the business works. Yeah. So let's talk about how this works for. The every person, you know, the average investor who wants to be able to identify this. So the process is pretty simple. Find locations that have, got, um, that have got multiple core drivers or core categories in play. There are 10 core drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best bets are the locations with three to four core drivers uh, working together. Okay, so... What we're going to do is we're going to do an episode on each of the core drivers. There are 10. Mm-hmm. There are 10 core drivers or core categories. 
And we're going to do an episode on each one because each one warrants its own deep dive and explanation around how it works and why it works and some examples and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and some of them are going to be familiar and some of them are not going to be familiar. Um, so there's 10. There's 10. And technically we're saying to find a hotspot, a location needs to meet three or four. Yeah. Of these or drivers. Ten. Or 10. I've never seen 10. <laughs> 10 would be awesome. Amazing. Bondi. It's Bondi. <laughs> no, 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 no. Bondi does not have that. No. But the beach. Yeah. Um, no, no. Interestingly, though, Bondi does have some of these core drivers. It does have some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. Mm. Um, yeah, but, but finding three or four of these key drivers mm-hmm. working harmoniously with each other, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, look, anything, any, yeah, I think you, they need to be working together and, they, and they're going to be complementary. The idea is that they won't work against each other anyway. That's not how, how, how the structure is. So let's talk about what the 10 core categories are or the core drivers are, uh, just so that you know what to expect, what to come up for. And also, you can actually start little thinking about this. Um, by the time this episode comes out, we're actually going to have a downloadable um, that is going to be available on the Investor Lab website. Mm-hmm. Um, so feel free to go and go there and grab that. Check that out. There's a lot of exclusive members-only content, including how to use this information, which is only going to be available uh, to our members. But the 10 core categories that, are, that make up all the different core drivers in any area, I'll quickly run through them, shall mm-hmm. I? Yep. Okay. So number one, transport and infrastructure. We're not going to explain any of these right now because we're just going to go deep into them. Smash them. Okay, cool. All right. (laughs) So number one, transport and infrastructure. Number two, the ugly duckling syndrome. Number three, urban renewal and government policy. Number four, lifestyle features. Number five, boomtown syndrome. Number six, stayers. Number seven, education and medical infrastructure. Number eight, the ripple effect. Number nine, sea change and hill change. And number 10, jobs nodes. So if you can get three to four of those different factors working in, any, uh, in, har- in harmony in any location, you're probably going to be setting yourself up for a, um, a good ride ahead. Now, how to use this information again, that's, pro- that's, for, that's for our uh, members only uh, group, but strap yourself in because we're going to be going deep into this kind of stuff over, well, it's going to take us months realistically to get through yes. all of this in amongst other stuff. So stay tuned. We're going to find out more uh, about how all of those work and what they do and how they do it and why they do it. Gabby, have you got any questions about this or anything else that we could do to provide more value to? Yeah, I was just thinking, guys, if you if you go back and listen to that list again, listen to the one through 10, what Goose just ran through, if any of them sound really intriguing to you or if you have any specific questions about what what do you look for in, in terms of lifestyle features or if there's any one particular, let us know and send through your questions um, because we're literally here to provide as much value and provide as much education and provide as much empowerment for you to really implement this stuff. It's all well and good to listen to us <laughs> yak at you and say this is, this is a how to find a hotspot and all nice, off you go. But the way that you're going to get value is by actually expressing to us what you want to know and we'll deliver it. Like we will, we we take all the feedback that we get from everyone, and we go, okay, how do we how do we implement this? So and so wanted the answer to this. How do we do that? Do we do a podcast episode on it? Do we do a training on it? How can we answer the questions that people have? So, just go back and listen to that list again. We're going to do specific episodes on each of those. Um, so we are going to go deep on what we 
understand all of them to cover anyway, but if there's specific questions, send them through. We'll cover everything that we can. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But yeah, look, I, I, I agree. I agree, Gabby. We, please do let us know what you, uh, what you want to know more about because we are here to serve. We're here to help you guys become more empowered real estate entrepreneurs. So um, if you also want to find out a little bit more about this and how you can apply this kind of stuff in your journey, make sure you grab a copy of my book, kind of walk through all of that stuff as well. Um, how to approach this kind of uh, information. So just head to renegadespropertybook.com. And anything else before we wrap up, Gabby? Nope. Wonderful. (laughs) All right, guys, stay tuned. There's going to be more of this coming. And if you want to accelerate your opportunity to access this kind of information, just head to theinvestorlab.com.au forward slash join the community. And remember to like, share, rate, review, comment, email, all of the good stuff because uh, you matter more to us than we do. And we want to be able to help more people like you. So if this has been of even minuscule value, it would be the biggest possible uh, compliments and gesture to us if you could share this with somebody else and we could access them and help them too. Cool. Wonderful. Thanks so much for your time. We'll see you on the inside.